Sanballat and Tobiah did everything within their power to stop the work of God's people. Tobiah mocked Nehemiah. If a fox were to climb that wall, it would crumble under his weight. Nehemiah was not deterred and turned to God for strength. This week, how to defeat discouragement and overcome opposition so you can finish the work God called you to do. Building a Legacy, the story of Nehemiah. Good morning, Orchard. Take out your Bibles, your mobile devices this morning, whatever you use to, for your Bible, and turn to the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 4. You know, I was at a small group this week, and a gentleman gave a testimony, and he said when he first visited Orchard Church, and he came, one of the things that he noticed that was different about Orchard than a lot of churches he had been at is that people actually bring their Bible to church, or they bring their mobile devices, and they're looking at their Bibles. And so there's a reason we don't put all the verses on the screen. We want you guys to see the Bible handle the scriptures for yourself. Amen? So, so you're going to want to look at this passage. We're going to be following along this morning. Nehemiah chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 1 through 14. We are in week 5 of our legacy campaign. Uh, we're just two weeks away from Commitment Sunday on November 8th. It's going to be a historic day as we bring our sacrificial faith-filled gifts and commitments to the Lord uh, to leave a legacy. And so if you are a first-time guest, thanks for being our guest this morning here at Orchard Church. But I do want you to know a little disclaimer. Uh, this this is a historic time. We're talking about some things on Sunday morning we don't normally talk about because God has given us some land. We're getting ready to build our first permanent facility to expand um, our outreach and the kingdom of God. And so I hope you'll bear with us a little bit. We're not interested in any of your money today, guests. We're just glad you're here. Amen, Orchard? So welcome our guests this morning. Glad our guests are here with us. One of the things that we've been talking about in legacy, we have a theme for this. So help me out, church. We're not just building a building. We're building... A legacy. Okay, that was like three of you helping me out. I need all of you all to help me out. We're not just building a building. We're building a legacy. And so we're this week, week two of Nehemiah, one of the most famous legacy builders in the Bible. 2,400 years ago, he built the wall of Jerusalem. And we're talking about it, his legacy 2,400 years later today. He was a legacy builder. We want to be like him as we build a legacy. Before we jump into talking about Nehemiah in chapter four, um, let me ask you a question. If you think really hard about it, have you ever felt discouraged or defeated in your life? at any time. Would you raise your hand? Anybody like that at all? Okay, great. Then you've come on the right day. We're, we're going to encourage you today in this story. We're going to talk about defeating discouragement because we need to understand that anytime we're trying to do something for God, there's going to be an enemy that tries to stop it. If you've ever experienced that, say yes. Whenever you're trying to do something for God, the enemy is going to try to oppose it. We see this in the story of Nehemiah. Let me bring you up to speed in case you missed last week. You can also go to our website, orchardchurch.tv, and, and watch the message online. But we, we introduce you to a man named Nehemiah. He was just a regular, ordinary guy. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a king. He was a cupbearer. He brought the wine to the king. He would taste it before the king, make sure that it wasn't poison. And one day he gets some news from his brother and fellow Jews. Um, he's there in Persia in a palace serving the king. He's a thousand miles away from the God's people in Jerusalem, but he gets news that the walls of Jerusalem are still uh, down. They were burned when the Babylonians came in and took them into captivity. And so the Jews were discouraged. They were feeling defeated. Uh, they were defenseless and they were hopeless. And when he gets this news, he is distraught. He is heartbroken. He's overcome with emotion. And he says, he says this, help me out church. Somebody has got to do something about this. 
and it might as well be me. That's what he says. And so he goes to the king and he says, King, would you allow me to take the thousand mile journey to go back to my homeland, to my people, to God's people and help them rebuild the wall, bring them encouragement, bring them, them hope again. And so he's willing to leave the palace, the luxuries of the palace, to leave a legacy. He's willing to go from, you know, uh, having a lot of things to having nothing in order to go to leave the palace to go to poverty and, and he says I've got to do something about this and he leads the Jews to do what seemed impossible to rebuild the walls that had been burned and were rubble and not only did they rebuild the walls they did it in an astonishing 52 days somebody after the first service said yeah they didn't have to deal with the city but it was miraculous, the timing. 52 days, they rebuild the wall, and he's the leader of this. Now, as we jump into our story today, the progress has begun, and they're rebuilding the wall. Now, you would think, because God called him to do this, and God put this on his heart, and he made this sacrifice to go from luxury to leave a legacy, he takes the thousand-mile journey, that God is in this. You would think that everything is going to be easy. And that everything is going to go smoothly. And he's not going to face any opposition or any problems. But if you know the story of Nehemiah, that's not what happens. Because as soon as they start rebuilding the wall and doing God's work for God's people, there is opposition. And it comes in the form of two men, Sambalot and Tobiah. Now, when we read the scripture this morning, when I read their names from the scripture, here's what I want you to do. When I say Sambalot or Tobiah, I want you to go, boo. So let's just try it. Sambalot or Tobiah. Yeah, these are the bad guys in the story. And they wanted to keep the Jews helpless and hopeless and defeated. Uh, they were political leaders. They wanted them to have to be dependent on everybody else. And we just need to understand this, Orchard Church. When you're trying to do God's work, opposition is inevitable. When you're trying to do God's work, opposition is inevitable. You know, Satan leaves people alone that aren't trying to do anything from God. But as soon as you start getting serious for God and answering God's call and obeying God, that's when the enemy shows up to try to discourage us. Whenever you're trying to move forward for God, there's an enemy that's going to try to stop you. We know who this enemy is. His name is Satan. His name is the devil. He used to be Lucifer. He fell up from heaven. Jesus described him this way, that our enemy Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy anything good that God is doing in our life. Peter described our enemy Satan this way. He said he's like a roaring lion. Going about seeking who he can devour and take down. Now let me just give you a little theological note this morning. A very important scriptural principle that I don't want you to miss. Peter said that the devil, Satan, our enemy, is like a roaring, what church? Lion. Lions come from the cat family. So there is a biblical <laughs> correlation between our enemy and cats. Just throwing that in there. It's been a long time since I've done a cat joke. I felt like it was time. Somebody this week, they said, do you really hate cats? And I'm like, no, I don't hate cats. I just don't want one, okay? So I'll come to your house and enjoy them. But we have an enemy. Here's the key thought this morning. Get it in your notes this way. Don't miss this. Here's our key thought. We don't face op opposition because we're doing something wrong. We face it because we're doing something right. And you can say amen to that. Amen. We don't face opposition because we're doing something wrong. We face it because we're trying to do something right. And we see this in the story of Nehemiah. And some of you all read that and you go, well, I must be doing a lot of things right. And you may be. 
Uh, you know, in the last, I don't have time to go into all of it, but in the last 10 years, since our family stepped out of faith to plant Orchard Church 10 years ago, we faced a lot of opposition along the way, but God has always been faithful, and God has always given us victory. I remember one of the oppositions we faced that God opened the door for us to move to Denver. We didn't know anybody here, no friends, no family, never lived here. We didn't know where we were going to live, and there was a Christian organization uh, called Apartment Life. They, they take Christian couples, they put them in an apartment, they let them live rent-free, and they provide social events. That's how we moved to Denver. We had this rent-free apartment for the first year. We're like, thank you, God, praise God. Look how you're providing. Six months into the program, they cut the budget and cut the program. And here we were just getting Orchard Church started. We had like 20 people at that time. We're like, where are we going to live? God opened a door. We moved 10, 12 miles north of the area we were living in, down south of Green Valley Ranch. God moved us into this area, miraculously provided us a home, about $300 off the rent, what everybody else was paying. It was just a God thing. And that's what brought us to this area. Or Orchard Church may not have been in this area. It might have been in another area. And I hadn't been here two weeks. And I was driving down 120th, right out here on this street. I was heading into Thornton had no idea what was going on around here and they were building Prairie View High School. It was in the spring. It was going to open that fall. I remember I pulled over my truck right then and I prayed and said, God, if you would allow, would you allow Orchard Church to meet there? And now we've met here at Orchard Church for um, almost nine years. Can we praise God for that? But there was opposition. Along the way, there was opposition, but God was faithful and we've overcome that opposition. So I want you to get, get this in your notes this morning. How do we defeat discouragement? There's two ways our enemy is going to try to discourage us. And if we understand these, it will help us to defeat discouragement. Get them in your notes. The first way is this. Your enemy will attempt to discourage you from the outside. He will use outside forces to try to discourage God's work in our life and in our church and what he's called us to do. Look at Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1. He says, but so it happened when Sambalot, there you go. Heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant, and he mocked the Jews. He made fun of them. And he spoke before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Are they really going to put their defenses back up? Will they offer sacrifices? Do they really think that they're going to worship God again here in Jerusalem? Will they complete it in a day? They're not going to get this done. Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish? Stones that have been burned? Now Tobiah... Yep, the other bad guy. The Ammonite was beside him and said, Whatever they build, even a little fox goes up on it. He'll break down the stone wall. And so we see that this opposition comes. It discourages them from the outside. Now, when I think of these two, two men, you know, Sambalot and Tobiah. What, no, you only have to do it when I read the Bible, okay? But I appreciate the enthusiasm. I do appreciate the enthusiasm. When I think of these two, two guys, here's who comes to my mind. These two men right here. Do you remember these guys from the Muppets? You remember everything the Muppets were doing? These two guys, I don't know if you remember the names, Statler and Waldorf. They were named after two New York City uh, hotels. And everything the Muppets would do, they would make fun of, they would mock, and they would jeer. And Sambalot and Tobias, they're even worse than these two guys. And so they, they come in opposition of God's work. And there's two ways you're going to face discouragement from the outside. First, you're going to face some obstacles. Be prepared to face some obstacles. And the obstacles in this story in Nehemiah come in the form of these two men, Sambalot and Tobiah. Let me illustrate it this way. You know, God works in your heart and you say, it's time for me to start getting serious about getting into God's word. Not just on Sunday, but every day of the week. And I get a, you get a Bible reading plan. You're going to read through the Bible the next year. And, and you decide, you know, tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up early. And I'm going to start giving God the first 10, 15 minutes of my day. And your alarm doesn't go off. 
You know, your kid is sick and pukes everywhere. Or, or your, your little infant has a blowout. Parents, moms, you know what a blowout is, right? You know, and you're like, ah, one step forward, two steps back. You decide this is the year we're going to be better financial stewards of what God has blessed us with. This is the year we're going to get out of debt. God is leading us to do this. You go and take financial peace, Dave Ramsey. You get Dave Ramsey tattooed on your shoulder, and it says, live like nobody else. So later you can live like nobody else. And then the car breaks down. And then the stove goes out. There's a, there's a medical bill. And you, you feel like you can't get ahead. If, if this relates to anybody, say yes. yes. You, you decide we're going to start leading our family spiritually. We're going to be faithful in church. We're going to get disciples. We're going to get in a small group. We're going to serve. And, and then you, you do that and your teenager says, oh, I'm not really sure if I believe in God. Two steps forward and four steps back. You're going to face obstacles when you're trying to do the work of God, not because you're doing something wrong, but because you're trying to do something right. I will never forget a phone call I received from a newer family in our church several years ago. And they had found our church, and we led them to Christ, and they got discipled, and they got baptized. And, and I mean, God's doing amazing work, and they owned a business. And, and, they, and the, the man called me up, and he was just beside himself, and he said, I don't know what is going on. I'm trying to, to lead my business in a Christ-honoring way now. This isn't my business. I recognize this is God's business. But we got employees that are leaving right and left, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And I prayed with him, and I encouraged him, and I said, listen, trust me. You're not going through this because you're doing something wrong. You're going through this because you're doing something right. And the enemy is not happy about your service to God and leading this company in a God-honoring way. And can I tell you that he stuck it out? He's family stuck it out and in the last two years they've been one of the fastest growing top five fastest growing companies in Denver metro area because they stayed the course there's going to be obstacles I remember when we first you know moved into Prairie View and we saw the 38 acres of land next door and we called the owner of that land and we said we'd be interested in buying a portion of it and he said no I don't want to sell a portion I want to sell all of it or none of it. And we said, well, how much is that going to be? And he said, $4 million. And we said, okay, have a nice day. <laughs> and then over the course of time, to make a long story short, we kept talking to him and kept talking to him. We faced obstacle after obstacle and closed door after closed door. And finally, to make a long story short, in December of last year, we bought the entire 38 acres with cash, $1.8 million. Less money, less money than he paid for it 12 years ago. But there were obstacles along the way. And as we are going into this legacy campaign, as we're nearing Commitment Sunday in a couple of weeks, I know what's happening. It's happening in our life. I hear stories. You, you've got a number in mind. You're going to make a sacrificial, faith-filled step of obedience, commitment to God, but you're facing some obstacles. All of a sudden, you've got an unexpected bill. You, you've got an uncertainty about your job security. You, you don't know what's going to happen. And there's going to be obstacles along the way, not because you're doing something wrong, but because you're trying to do something right and join God where he's at work. Your enemy is going to try to discourage you with obstacles. He's also going to try to discourage you from the outside, not only with obstacles, but criticism. He's going to try to discourage you from the outside with criticism. We see this in the story of Nehemiah. These two guys, Sambalot and Tobiah, what do they start doing? They start mocking the Jews. They start making fun of them. You know, Sambalot is like, you're never going to rebuild that wall. Tobiah is like, even if a fox goes on that wall, it's going to tear it down. It's your, your criticism, criticism. And we see this happen in our life. We start attending church, getting faithful, getting serious about God and our friends and maybe even our family members that aren't followers of God are like, why would you waste a Sunday going to church? You know, it's such a nice day out. Why would, why would you have your family in church? You, you know, you, maybe you, God leads you to take a lower paying job so you can spend more time with your family. 
And then people go, why would you do that? That doesn't make sense. Many of you, you, you've become followers of Christ. God has changed your life and you've recognized there's friends in your life that you still care about. You still love them, but you know you can't hang out with them like you used to because when you do, you make decisions that are not honoring to God and you still love them and care about them. You've had to distance yourself and they criticize you and they make fun of you and they call you things like a Jesus freak. Criticism is going to come. You know, as we've gone into this legacy campaign, there's been a lot of encouragement and a lot of support, but it's not without criticism. Because whenever you're trying to do something for God, there's going to be obstacles. There's going to be criticism. It's going to come from the outside. It's going to come from other places. And, and, and I know, you know, some people think, well, you know, the church just needs our money. And I'll say it again, Orchard Church, because some of you weren't able to be here last week. Orchard Church doesn't need your money to do God's work. God's going to do his work with or without us. He invites us to be a part of it, though. Amen? God doesn't need our money, and Orchard Church doesn't need our money. And, and some people, maybe the criticism is, aren't we big enough? I look around today, and it's a little bit difficult to find a seat for my family. You know, why do we need to reach more people? I mean, we've got like 1,500 or 2,000 people that call Orchard Church their home. And the problem with that criticism is we have our eyes on ourselves instead of the, our eyes on the 55,000 people within a 10-minute drive that still don't know Jesus. Woo! And that's where our focus should be. That's where our eyes should be. And let me just encourage you or, or challenge you maybe with this. If you're going to lead in any capacity, you're going to face criticism. Can I have an amen, leaders? You cannot lead apart from criticism. And I learned a long time ago as a leader, as a pastor, if you try to make everybody happy, you'll make nobody happy. You've got to be who God has called you to be, and you've got to go the direction that God has called you to go and leave the rest to God. So how do we respond when destructive criticism comes our way. And we're not talking about constructive criticism. We're talking about destructive criticism. Amen? You know, there are people in my lives that I've allowed to be in my life, that I have invited to be in my life, that I constantly am asking for their advice and their wisdom and their constructive criticism. And when they talk, I listen. But we're not talking about constructive criticism. We're talking about destructive criticism. Criticism that is trying to stop the call and the work of God. So what did Nehemiah do? Let's follow his example. What does he do with this criticism and this opposition from the outside and these obstacles? Verse 4. Hear, O our God. Where is the first place that he goes? He goes to God. For we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. In other words, God, I'm going to let you take care of this. I'm not going to try to take matters in my own hand. I'm going to trust you with this. Do not cover their iniquity, their sin, and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you. For they have provoked you to anger before the builders. Really, they're not coming against Nehemiah and the Jews. They're coming against who? They're coming against God and his work. He, say, he goes on and he says, verse 6, So we gave it to God, and so we did what? Built the wall. We did what God called us to do. And the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to do what? To work. They gave it to God, and they went back to work. And now it happened when Sambalot and Tobiah, there you go, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashdites, and Mosquitoites, oh, sorry, that's not a <laughs> heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry at God's work. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, this is what Nehemiah did in the face of opposition. Nevertheless, we made our what, church? Prayer to our God. And because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. 
He said, we gave our prayer to God. Nehemiah doesn't whine. Nehemiah doesn't cry. Nehemiah doesn't throw a pity party. He doesn't try to argue with his enemies. He just gives it to God in prayer and he gets back to work. What a great lesson for all of us. Amen. When we face opposition, take it to God in prayer and let's get back to work. Because the work is great that God has called us to do. It has eternal consequences. We need to pray. If there's ever been a time that I implore and beg you to pray for your, your church, for Orchard Church, for God's church, for our church family, it's right now. Because we know that God has called us to something great and to take a, a, another huge step of faith. And there's going to be opposition. That's why we encourage you, go to our website, orchardlegacy.com. It's a special website just for our legacy campaign. Go there, watch the videos, and every day we're posting a prayer devotional to pray for our church, to pray for our community, to pray for our leaders. Join us in 40 days of prayer because except the Lord builds the house, the labors labor in vain. Amen. So pray and then let's get back to work because listen, church, we don't answer to critics. We answer to Christ. It, listen, if I answer to critics, I would have gotten out of the ministry a long time ago. You say, Pastor Doug, do you ever get criticized? Let me think about that. Does, did the sun come out this morning? <laughs> yes, all the time. And, and to be honest with you, I'm surprised with the size of our church and the impact we're making in this community, we're not criticized more than we are. And, and I do want to say this. I just want to stop right here and share my heart. I, I want to thank you guys. I, I, I can't, it's hard for me to put into words the privilege and the honor that I feel to be able to be a part of what God's doing here. Uh, to, to, to lead this church, to be a pastor. I feel like I'm just along for the ride with all of you guys. And, and you guys have been so loving and so gracious and, and so wonderful and encouraging. In the times where I get discouraged, there's way many more of you doing encouraging than discouraging. And I just want to thank you. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for a church that, that so many people really want to follow God and really get it. That we are a part of something God-sized and historic, and we want to be a part of it. Amen? We, want to, we understand we're not just building a building. We're building a legacy. And we got to get our eyes off the building and on the hundreds of thousands of lives that are going to come in and out of that building. And lives that are going to be changed through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And thank you, thank you. So many of you, as I've met with you in small groups and individually, you've shared that with me. It's been an encouragement. And, and I, I want to just say this. Going into this, one of my greatest fears was not so much for our church family, but for our guests. We have 10 to 12 guest families every week here at Orchard Church, and we have throughout this legacy campaign. And I know our church family does. We don't talk about money every week, but this is a, this is a unique time. And, and I worry, you know, what is a guest going to think? Are they going to come and never come back? Can I encourage you guys that there hasn't been a week go by in the legacy campaign that I haven't received an email or someone stopped me after service, first-time guest, and said, thank you. This is so awesome. This is so exciting. We're looking for a church where God is at work, and we believe we've found it at Orchard Church. First-time guest. So praise God for that. 
praise God for that. I, I was in a small group this week, and I heard a man share a testimony. He didn't know I was going to be at the group. I kind of slipped in at the end, and he said, I, I've been, I, I was at three other churches that were going through a building campaign, and we left all three times because of the way they handled it. And when I heard that Orchard Church was going to build the building and go into that campaign, I was ready to leave and thinking, oh, here we go again. And he said, this is the first time I've ever been a part of a church who has the focus on people and not the building, and we could not be more excited to be a part of it this time. Can we praise God for that? I mean, that is so encouraging. It's so encouraging. Because you got to know, your enemy is going to attempt to discourage you from doing God's work and being a part of it. He's going to discourage you from the outside with obstacles and criticism. There's another way he's going to discourage you. Not only from the outside, he's going to try to discourage us from the inside. And this happened with the Jews, with Nehemiah. Look at verse 10. It says, Then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is what? It's failing. They're getting tired. They're getting defeated. They're getting discouraged. And there's so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. They come to Nehemiah and they start feeling like on the inside, maybe we missed God's call. Maybe we misunderstood. This is too hard. This is too difficult. This seems impossible. And here was the problem. They got their eyes off of God's ability and they got their eyes on their own ability. And that will discourage you every time. Amen? Because it's not about what we can do. It's about what God can do through us. Amen? And some of you are asking the question, you know, and I appreciate that you're starting with this question. You know, we're getting ready to make our commitments in a couple of weeks. And you're asking the question, what can I do to leave a legacy? And that's a good start, but please don't stop there. Don't ask the question, what can I do? Don't ask the question, what can we do? Ask the question, what does God want us to do? That will take us to a greater place of sacrifice and faith than anything that we can do. Because the, anything that's going to be accomplished is not because of what we accomplish, because of what God accomplishes through faith-filled steps of obedience. And so by now, most of you know this, that our, and this is not for guests, but for our church family, that our legacy goal is to raise between 3 and $5 million over the next three years, a season, a historic season in our church. Many of you have sacrificed and been generous for Orchard to be where it's at, and it's going to ha- God is asking us to take another step of sacrifice and obedience. Three to five million dollars over and above anything, our regular tithes and offerings that we're giving. And on November 8th, we're going to make our sacrificial, faith-filled steps of obedience to the Lord. We're going to receive a first fruit offering that day that is, is like a down payment to our commitments, not in addition to. It's part of our, our commitment. So we get off to a great start. Our heart is in it from day one. If you were not here last week and you did not get our most recent brochure, you're going to want to pick these up. It's got some great things in here about the campaign. There's a commitment card we'll give you. There'll be people standing at the doors when you leave because we don't want to spring this on you. We don't want to surprise you. We want you to be reading these and praying over these. Will you do that, church? Pray about, God, what will you have me to do? Pray this way. You know, what is the most sacrificial, faithful commitment I can make on November 8th? And what is the largest sacrificial check that I can make on that day? To be a part of leaving a legacy. What it comes down to is sacrifice. Anywhere you find worship in the Bible, you find a sacrifice. But we're only sacrificing for the one who sacrificed it all for us. That we're saying, I'm making a commitment to the King of kings and Lord of lords and the advancement of his kingdom. And that's a big deal. That's something big. But it's going to take a sacrifice. And a sacrifice 
A great definition of sacrifice is this. It's about giving up something you love for something you love even more. And what God loves is people and seeing lives changed. That's why I, I would never ask you guys to do something that our family isn't going to lead the way in. Shelly and I have always been tithers for 22 years of our marriage. We've always given above the tithe to, to missions and things like that. God has laid on our heart that we're going to be twithers. We're going to, we're going to be given 20% for the next three years. Actually, we're going to even give them a little more than that because we're going to give several thousand dollars in a first fruit offering to round it up because I like round numbers. And so that's what we're going to do because God has invited us to be a king, part of kingdom work. And he's not finished with Orchard Church. He's just getting started. You want to know something amazing? We ran the numbers. We have a consultant that's helped us with this. If every family and individual at Orchard Church, not the guests, but the people that call Orchard Church their church home, just did the one thing that God has already told us to do that doesn't belong to us in the first place, if we just tithe, if everyone in our church just tied based upon the median income of our community, you know how quickly we'd have a completely paid-for building and save about $3 million in interest? Two years. Two years. For some of you, you have, you have been tithing, and praise God, and I know God's been blessing you. What would God ask you to do to stretch it to an offering, to give something over and above? For some of you that haven't been tithing, you've been waiting, you've been putting it off, you know what, you know what you're supposed to be doing. This is an opportunity and legacy to say, you know, for the next three years, I'm going to put God first in the area of my finance. I'm going to do the one thing he asked me to do anyway. And here's the great news, Orchard Church. The Bible says in Malachi chapter 3, it's the only place where God says in the Bible to test him. Test me. Just try me in this area. If I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so huge, you won't even know what to do with all of it. And many of you have taken that test. We've done the 90-day tithe challenge about once a year here at Orchard Church. And we've had story after story how God has provided and God has blessed when people put God first and give of their best first to him. So I guess what we're inviting to you, you two, for those of you that haven't been tithing, is this. Don't take a 90-day tithe challenge. Take a three-year tithe challenge. Fair enough? And just see what God will do. But make no mistake about this, Orchard Church. This is not a financial issue. This is a heart issue. God has to work in our hearts. We've been praying that God would work in people's hearts. Whenever they built the tabernacle, when they built the temple, over and over it says, as God stirred the hearts of people and he moved their spirits. Listen, they gave freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. Our heart has to be in it. God loves a cheerful giver. You know, I think it's a great time to be reminded of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, said when he said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupts and thieves can break in and steal, but rather lay up for yourselves treasures where, church? In heaven where moths and rust don't corrupt and thieves cannot break in and steal. And, and then he, and he tagged this on here. Because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. This is an opportunity to to find out where God really is in our heart, where the reaching of people for Jesus Christ in this community is in our heart. It's an investment in something eternal. There's not many opportunities in life where we have an opportunity to invest in something with eternal value and eternal rewards. You know, you, we can't take it with us, but we can send it on ahead, amen? And, and, and when I think about Legacy Campaign, I'm always reminded of stories like this family. This is what legacy is all about.
we grew up going to church on Sundays. We'd all get dressed up in our little suits and hats and everything, and we'd go to church. And it wasn't real often, but we went. My dad ended up sick, and he was in the hospital. And the pastor came into the hospital, and he wasn't really too concerned with my dad. He was concerned about the tithing. My mom kind of split off from the church that they were going to, and she she went to another church where it was more like a cult than anything else. Uh, you know, you just never could do anything right. There came a point where um, my mom actually beat me because I wasn't going to church, and Scott saw the bruises and moved me out, and we just kind of stayed away because we kind of felt like if that's what church was about, we didn't want any part of it. When we decided to visit the church, um, you know, it was it was basically because Doug and Shelley had invited us, and you know, of course, I just turned him down, and then I believe it's because they started praying for us that God just put it on our hearts and just worked in us to that we needed a change. It was like walking into your family's living room. They just made their, made us feel so welcome that we just it just made us want to come back and see if it was for real or not. Doug would. You know, he would play the drums, Shelley would sing, and um, then he would finish playing the drums and he would stand up and give us a message. And it was just, I was like totally amazed that he had so much energy. And so he just, I never heard anybody speak the word of God like, like what he did. Doug and Shelley came to our house and they sat at our kitchen table and Doug gave us, you know, his little stick figure drawing. I still have that in my Bible. Probably spent two or three hours here at our kitchen table just with them being loving on us and sharing God's message with us. Probably a week or so later we were baptized. I think we'd been there for maybe a month and they got me involved in the ushering team and, and greeting. And I really wasn't much of a people person when I first started and we were running, you know, 75 to 100 people if we were lucky. We've been involved with the host team for about four to five years now. Before we started coming to the Orchard Church, um, you know, we were happy. We're not a not an unhappy couple by any means. But what I have found is just given us more of a peace than anything. And I could I, I can't describe it any other way. It's just a peace that we have. Orchard Church is pretty much our lives now. We we're there all the time. We run the communions. We do the hosting. Um, it's just, we do whatever needs to be done there. and We, we love being there. We praise God for that great testimony. Amen. You know that, those stories are what legacy are all about. Amen, church? Just seeing, continue to see hundreds of thousands of lives changed like that. We've talked about the fact that when you face opposition, it's not because you're doing something wrong, it's because you're doing something right. And you're going to face obstacles from the outside and from the inside. But let me wrap up with this, what we see in the story. How do we defeat discouragement? We do it the same way that Nehemiah led the children of Israel to defeat discouragement. Look at verse 14 with me and how Nehemiah is going to respond to all this discouragement. He says, and I looked... And I rose and said to the nobles and to the leaders and the rest of the people, help me out, Orchard Church, what did he say? 
Do not be afraid of them. Do not be afraid of our enemies. Do not be afraid of the opposition from the outside and the inside. Do not be afraid. When you're trying to do God's work, there's going to be opposition. You're going to face it not because you're doing something wrong, but because you're doing something right. But Orchard Church, can I say to all of us, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And if God be for us, who can be against us? And what can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? Nothing. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We can do all things through Christ Jesus. With God, all things are possible. We can overcome. And I'm preaching stronger than you're responding. Come on, Orchard Church. This is good stuff. Do not be afraid of them, Nehemiah says. Don't be afraid, but do these two things. Number one, remember the Lord. He says in verse 14, do not be afraid of them, but remember the Lord. And then he adds this, great and awesome. Can I have an amen? We got to remember the Lord who is great and awesome when we face opposition. We've got to remember what he's done in the past. This was a loaded statement to the nation of Israel. He would have said, listen, don't be afraid of our enemies. Don't you remember the Lord? Don't you remember what he's done in the past? Don't you remember how great he is? Don't you remember how awesome he is? Don't you remember we were slaves in Egypt for 400 years? And God raised up a man named Moses. And God brought 10 plagues on the nation of of Egypt. and, and, And Pharaoh had to let us go. And then he changed his mind and he chased us to the Red Sea. And there we were standing, the Red Sea in front of us. Our enemies bearing down behind us. Moses raises up his rod. He splits the Red Sea. We go across on dry land. Our enemies come in after us and when they're in the middle God closes the water and we escape on dry land and we're victorious and we never have to deal with the Egyptians again don't you remember the Lord our God he's great and he's awesome and do you remember when we were in the wilderness and he led us as a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night he never let us go do you remember when we were starving and we woke up and he gave us manna to eat he gave us quail from heaven do you remember when we were getting ready to go into the promised land and we came to the city of Jericho and it was a huge fort fortified walled city and we said how are we ever going to get past Jericho and we had to first get past the Jordan River and God split that just like he did the Red Sea he's big enough to do that and so God said march around the walls of Jericho seven times on the seventh day do it seven times and blow the trumpet and the walls came down and our enemies were defeated don't forget the Lord is great and awesome don't forget And where he guides, he provides. And I would say to you, Orchard Church, as your pastor, God is calling us to something great. God is calling us to something God-sized. And there's going to be obstacles. And there's going to be opposition from the outside and the inside. But we need to remember what God has done these last 10 years. I remember when God called me to this city on March the 9th, 2005. And I was reading my Bible and he said, go. I remember when we said, we don't even know where we're going to live. And God gave us an apartment rent-free. I remember when we outgrew the apartment. And, and, and the Manager of the clubhouse there at the apartment complex said, you can meet at the clubhouse for eight months. Orchard Church had no rent for eight months. And then we outgrew that. And we said, now what are we going to do? And God said, go across the street to the rec center. And I said, but God, they've told me no three times. He said, go again. Next time I went, new manager, they said, of course you can meet here. And then I remember when we outgrew that and Prairie View High School opened up. And there were six other churches that wanted to get into here. And so they cast lots. They had a lottery. And Orchard Church was picked. And we've met here for nine years. And seeing God do amazing things. Because 
Our Lord is great and He is awesome. We don't have anything to be afraid of. Be encouraged by that. And then do one more thing. He said, remember the Lord your God who's great and awesome. And watch this verse 14. And fight. Fight. For who? For yourself? No. For your brethren. For your sons. For your daughters. For your wives. For your houses. For your neighbors that don't know Christ. For your co-workers that don't know Christ. For your family members that don't know Christ. That's legacy language, Orchard Church. We are in a battle for the souls of man. And God has invited us into this battle. We have to fight for the cause, not for ourselves, but for someone else. Make no mistake about it. Christianity is not a playground. It's a battleground. And we're in a fight for the harvest of souls for all eternity. That land next door is not, no longer going to harvest corn. It's going to harvest souls. And we're going to get to be a part of it. And we've got to fight for the 55,000 people in this community that still don't know Christ. I'll say it again, Orchard Church. Legacy is not a fundraising campaign. It's a people raising campaign. It's raising people from death to life out of hopelessness to being hopeful, out of defeat to victory, out of brokenness to restoration, out of darkness into his marvelous life. It's an opportunity to raise us out of our greed and selfishness to a place of biblical generosity and ridiculous faith. And we're going to remember we don't face opposition because we're doing something wrong. We face it because we're doing something right. And when discouragement comes, and it will, from the outside and the inside, we are going to remember the Lord our God, who is great and who is awesome, and we're going to fight for the cause to leave a legacy. Because we're not just building a building, we are building a legacy. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the story of Nehemiah. I thank you for his leadership. I thank you for his faith-filled step of obedience, to give up some luxuries, to leave a legacy, to make a difference. And I thank you that you are calling Orchard Church to do the same and to be a part of something God-sized. With heads bowed and an attitude of prayer for just a moment, let me first ask this question. Are some of you here today facing discouragement and defeat? Maybe you come in here today and you say, man, this is exactly what I needed to hear. Forget legacy campaign for a minute. Forget commitments for a minute. Are you facing some discouragement and defeat? Can I encourage you? It's not because you're doing something wrong. It's because you're trying to do something right to serve God. And if that's you this morning, can I pray for you that God would encourage you? Would you slip up your hand? Yes, I'm facing some discouragement. I'm facing some trouble. God bless you. Hands everywhere. Father, I pray that you would bring supernatural peace, grace, and mercy to those facing discouragement disappointment, defeat, trials and tribulations right now. I I claim you as the God of all comfort that you said you would be, that never leaves us or forsakes us, and that your grace will be sufficient to meet the needs of everyone represented this morning. So we continue in prayer. If this is your church home, when people ask, where do you go to church? You say orchard. We're two weeks away from making a commitment of a lifetime for many of us. A sacrifice. And I want to ask you again. Do you want to be a part of God's work? Will you fight for the cause? And how many of you can I pray for you? And you'd say, my heart's desire is not what can I do, but what is God leading me to do? And I want to make sure that I align my heart with God's plans and God's purposes for my life for this church 
and this community. If that's truly your heart's desire, can I pray for you? Would you slip up your hand, anyone like that? God bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, hands everywhere. Father, I pray for Orchard Church, your church. We've seen you do amazing, life-changing things in the last 10 years and hundreds of thousands of lives. But we believe that you're just getting started. It's not about a building. It's not about walls and exterior and a roof and rooms lights and sound. It's about lives that we know are going to be changed for all eternity. And Lord, help us to have the vision and the perspective that you have for this community. Help us to join you in your work. Help us to fight for the cause. Help us to leave a legacy and remember our great God who's great and awesome that would never Call us to something you would not equip us to do. I pray that we would just look forward to being a part of it in whatever you lead. With heads bowed, nice closed, we'll continue prayer for just a moment. Let me talk to one other group of people. Maybe you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have an enemy, Satan, that would like nothing better than to keep you in the spiritual condition you're in, which is lost. The Bible says, before Christ, we're dead in our sins, helpless and hopeless. But here's the great news. Jesus Christ died to set you free. To set you free from your captivity and your sin. He's not interested in your money today. He's interested in your heart. He's interested in your life. And if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. I want to lead you in a prayer of faith that you can pray from your heart to God's and invite Jesus to forgive you of your sins. It's not a magic prayer, a magic word. This prayer will not save you, but the faith and belief behind it will. If that's you, would you pray this prayer with me? It goes like this. Jesus, I call on you today to come into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I want to know you. Thank you for loving and forgiving me. Thank you. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody look around for just a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I never want to do that. But if you prayed that prayer of faith for the first time, I'd love the privilege and the honor to pray for you, that you grow in your relationship with Jesus from this day forward. Would you just slip up your hand for prayer? Yes, I prayed that prayer of faith. God bless you. God bless you, young man. God bless you, sir. Thank you. God bless you, young lady. Thank you. Anyone else? Several people. God bless you. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for those putting their faith and trust in you today. I pray they would grow in their relationship with you, that as a church we would help disciple them to maturity in their walk with you, that they would experience everything that it means to have not just life, but life more abundant through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you that we are part of a church where you're obviously at work and that we get to be a part of it and that we get to leave a legacy for all eternity, knowing we've made a difference. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate decisions for Christ this morning? If you made a decision for Christ this morning, please let us know about that on your connection card. Drop it in the offering bucket so we can continue to pray for you. If you're a first-time guest, thanks so much for being our guest at Orchard Church this morning. Hopefully you filled out your guest connection card. You can drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by. Again, we are not interested in your money today, guests, but we're definitely interested in getting to know you. We'll send you a thank you note, a free gift in the mail, so please let us know that you're here. Also, if you're a first-time guest, I'll be hanging out at the white tent as soon as you go out to the courtyard. I'll be standing right there, so come by and introduce yourself. I'd love to meet you as a first-time uh, guest this morning.
Are you guys enjoying the story of Nehemiah? Isn't it challenging? Are you in story? I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Amen. It's a great story. So timely for our church. Next week, we'll finish Nehemiah. And then the following week will be our Commitment Sunday. We're going to talk about next week, finishing strong. We're going to see them finish the wall and what God accomplishes. It's going to tie right into what God is doing here. So you don't want to miss that uh, next week. So let's stand as we close in a song of worship. Respond in worship to our giving. Uh, hopefully we'll see you tonight, 5 o'clock, here at Prairie View for our harvest party. God bless you guys. Love you.